All right. Uh, so this is the generic. Uh, I'm sorry, the generic uh, trigger warning uh, for uh, certain of my appellate uh, corpus juris podcasts where I talk about procedure. Uh, and chances are, if I put this uh, trigger warning in the episode, it's because I'm talking about um, a particular state that um, is peculiar, right? So. Uh, let me backtrack, right? So, uh, from Houston, Texas, born and raised, it's pronounced H-E-B, not Heb. Uh, Waterburger is great. Uh, Bleed Orange, Go Horns, Giga Maggie's. Um, I know that, that, that that's, that, that's I, I just I just perjured myself because I said Giga Maggie's and Go Horns. But uh, you, you, you get the general idea, right? Uh, Card-carrying Democrat. And I think the last time that it snowed here... Uh, in Texas, when I was here, uh, it was when I was ten, and it snowed once, right? And it was like a combination between like snow and sleet, right? Uh, went to college out in California. Uh, I think the last time it snowed on the campus there was 1962, right? So, uh, 22 years of continuous uh, uh, sun, so to speak, right? So it's 70 degrees in the winter time, uh, sunny and 75, as they say. And if you're like me and you like warm weather, uh, and uh, you're a card-carrying Democrat, then uh, you're uh, hot spots. You're basically looking at a uh, California, uh, New Mexico, or Hawaii, right? That's where you're at home. And then we have a bunch of other states, right, that are uh, in between on the spectrum, right? So a bunch of states, great up north, uh, folks wouldn't vote for a Republican to save their lives. Uh, but it's cold. It's cold. Uh, and you know, you know, you're in a bad spot uh, when it's uh, one degree outside, and you turn on. I'm sorry, you know, you're you're in a bad spot when you turn on the Jets game, and it's Jets three, Giants ten, but it's one degree outside, right? Uh, and then uh, you you go down south, right? Great weather, uh, great folks, great parties. The beaches are great, the sand is great, um, and what have you. Uh, but it, there are a bunch of Republicans from the top down. It, it's it's the solid South for a reason, right? Uh, and in Texas, uh, it's probably not going to change, right? They say it might change by 2040, but uh, most folks uh, get the gist right there. And there's been a general collective decision uh, that, uh, at least as far as the energy economy is concerned, that any environmental concerns will just be thrown thrown to the wayside. We're going to sacrifice the welfare of the beaches uh, to have a robust energy sector. Florida, not so much, right? Uh, which is the other big, you know, great state down south. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really frustrated when I think about Florida because, you know, the economy is essentially premised on tourism and agriculture, uh, and you know there, there's there's not much uh, to be said um, uh, for policies that in that entail high tariffs and you know uh, almost purposeful environmental uh, degradation, right? So why is Florida red, right? If, if the economy is premised on um, uh, the existence of low tariffs, so you can get your crop out to international markets and uh, you need the beaches uh, to be in good shape, and the result of all that is that you need good environmental protections. When well, why not just go blue? But that's my—that's me digressing. Why? Uh, why should you be interested in this peculiar state that I've set out uh, for you today? Whether it's Montana or Alaska or Arkansas or uh, some other uh, peculiar state. Well, a couple of reasons, right? Uh, reasons, right? So uh, it used to be. Uh, that uh, back in the day, you settled down in a state, maybe it was 1960 or 1980 or uh, pre-2000, whatever, and uh, you took the bar exam and you were admitted to that state, and maybe you were admitted uh, in the state uh, that was contiguous with it, or if you lived in the tri-state area, you were admitted in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut, right? But uh, fortunately, the MBE has changed all that, right? So now you can take the bar exam and you can be admitted to 10, 20, 30, 40, uh, 40 states, upwards of 40 states, right? Uh, why is that significant uh, as it pertains to this? Well, 
Uh, some people would say that just by virtue of taking the MBE and being admitted to the state that I'm talking about in this in this uh, uh, seeing podcast, um, that you would be conspicuous, right? So uh, on a rank of one to ten, most folks are admitted to one state. Uh, two or three is on the high side, but 10, 20, 30, 40, that is not normal, right? That's like a 10,000 on a rank of one to ten. Uh, and you'd be conspicuous. And perhaps for that reason alone, uh, folks would be interested in... Uh, uh, the procedure as it relates to the state that I'm talking about now. An another reason uh, to be interested uh, in the podcast. Well, uh, let's say that you work for a firm, right? And I highly doubt that uh, most firms are going to turn around someone admitted to 10, 20, uh, 30, uh, much less 40 states, right? Or whether they could legally do it, regardless of whether or not you were a Caucasian male or African-American female or anyone in between, right? Um uh, so uh, it ups your firm out because now uh, firms, they get called to do peculiar things, right? So these Tony Law firms in New York and uh, D.C., right, they have a bunch of staff. And uh, sometimes they get called to do peculiar things in Alaska or Montana, right? And they have to get outside counsel to go to these states, right? Uh, and if you're admitted to that state, well, that's just one less person that they have to pay, right? So uh, good for the firm. And more than that. Uh, more than that, you can bring in any business that can be had from these states so you can uh, become a rainmaker of sorts, uh, so to speak. Uh, so uh, that, that's one reason. Another reason uh, is that uh, it allows you to remain, uh, at least uh, these bar members, this bar membership uh, scheme that I'm setting out, allows you to remain active in the appellate scene, even if you didn't clerk, right? So let's say that maybe you screwed up in your first year, or you took that third or fourth degree, took that BCL, took that uh, medical degree, uh, whatever it is, and the folks who you studied under said, well, we'll send you for these degrees, but uh, anything else that comes after that, uh, we can't guarantee it or we just won't send you, which is their right. They don't have to do it. Uh, this allows you to remain active on the appellate scene. So how do you do that? You just uh, pick two states uh, per week, right? So uh, maybe one week you're in Washington and Oregon, the next week you're in Louisiana and Texas, the next week you're in New York and, and Vermont. Uh, pick your states, it doesn't matter. And uh, you do two double-spaced, five-page appellate filings uh, per week, right? You do that in a year, you get 104 briefs. You do that in 10 years, you get a about 1,000. You do it over the course of 40 to 50 years, you get about uh, 4,000 to 5,000, right? And remember that uh, at most of these appellate boutiques, 300 filings is on the high side, right, for these partners, right? So you'd be a 26, 27, 28, 29, perhaps a 30-year-old with 100 filings, right? And that by itself, again, is very anomalous, right? So I was talking about... Um, uh, bar admission numbers, right? Uh, having a hundred appellate filings as a twenty-something-year-old, that itself is anomalous, right? That's a one thousand. That's a ten thousand on a scale of one to ten, right? Um, and don't tell me that somebody um, uh, with that many filings wouldn't be up for something, some sort of appellate gig or an SG position, maybe in a small state eventually, right? It might work in a small state. It's probably not going to work in a big state, uh, Texas, California, Florida, New York, etc., right? I mean, just you, just, you might you might need a clerk uh, to be noticed there, but uh, in a small state, it could probably work, right? It might. And uh, yet another reason uh, to be interested in this uh, little scheme I'm laying out here. Uh, well, why would you care about admission uh, to Kansas, right? Well, um, admission to the state uh, in a, a federal circuit court, right, automatically uh, is going to give you uh, admission uh, to the appellate courts, right? Uh, so you're admitted in Kansas, and now uh, you can get uh, access to admission to the 10th Circuit, and now uh, you can do these amicus filings that I'm talking about, not only in Kansas state courts, but you can go to uh, these uh, appellate courts, right? And if you can, it'll intervene if they'll take you. Uh, so it's, it's, a great, it's a great deal. And, you know, I needed like an eight-minute trigger warning to set this out, but uh, chances are that uh, if I've attached this uh, warning to the uh, podcast, it's because of the state I'm talking about is either uh, chock full of uh, 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 proud 
uh, uh, Trump supporters, or um, uh, it's because it's cold, or uh, in a worst case scenario, it's cold and people are out in the cold because they want to attend the Trump rally, right? And that, that, that's just like the worst of both worlds. So that's why I need this trigger warning. Uh, 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 and uh, now for the actual episode. This episode of uh, Corpus Juris will continue with our focus on Idaho appellate procedure, and this is the second episode uh, in a two-episode series on uh, mandatory appealable judgments and orders uh, from the lower courts and agencies in that state to the state Supreme Court, right? And if listeners recall in a previous episode, um, uh, the class of potential appellants, right, those include lit- included litigants uh, in the State Industrial Commission and Public Utility Commission because quite a bit of litigation can r- arise there in those administrative agencies, right? Uh, so um, are there orders in those agencies that are appealable as of right to the State Court of Last Resort in Idaho? Yes, there are. Uh, so uh, what of that? Well, if counsel is litigating a matter before the State Industrial Commission, she or he can appeal as of right uh, to the State uh, Supreme Court, so long as the commission has issued a final decision or order with or without rehearing or reconsideration or a uh, compensability order that the commission has designated for appeal. Uh, for this latter set of cases, right, that involve compensability orders, the appeal notice must be filed within 14 days of the clerk's stamp date on the order. Uh, the Industrial Commission order or reward is stayed during the appeal unless the commission or Idaho Supreme Court orders otherwise. Uh, The rule is simpler, fortunately, for Public Utility Commission cases, uh, as any decision or order there that is appealable by statute may be taken to the Idaho Supreme Court. Appeals in all other agency cases can be taken if the agency decision is final. The agency, however, retains jurisdiction over the parties and the case in the event of an appeal to the state Supreme Court and can settle questions relating to the transcript and record on appeal. appeal. But, of course, that's uh, no different uh, from the procedure. Uh, in Kentucky, right? Or at least not as it pertains to commission, but the the, the normal default uh, procedure in Kentucky for appeals uh, from the Court of Appeals in Kentucky to the state Supreme Court, right? And there are other analogs in other states, right? Uh, the Idaho Rules of Appellate Procedure provide a special set of procedures for the State Industrial Commission appeals uh, that I've mentioned already, right? So if the uh, commission grants counsel permission to appeal the compensability order, she or he must file the appeal notice with the commission clerk within 14 days of the date stamped on the final order. The commission must decide whether to designate the compensability order for appeal within 14 days from the date disclosed on the clerk's stamp on the order. Hearings held on the motion will be expedited, and the commission again has 14 days from the date uh Uh, A response is filed or a hearing is held to enter a written order on the motion. In deciding whether to designate the order for appeal, the Commission must consider whether delay would unduly prejudice or cause significant material harm to a party. Uh, The Commission will consider whether an appeal would increase the cost, duration, and expense of litigation. Uh, The Commission will also consider whether the appealed order raises novel or important legal issues. Um, uh, As... uh, well as the chances that the appeal will succeed and the probability of irreparable harm or loss. Uh, uh, And the Commission will consider uh, whether the appeal will advance administrative economy and whether the appeal will prevent needless, expensive, and uh, protracted litigation, right? Uh, So, um, a tad bit similar uh, to the normal considerations that you would uh, have in mind uh, for certification, right, to uh, uh, other... uh, state courts or, yeah, to other state courts uh, for questions that can be determinative of litigation at issue, right? But uh, there are a lot of differences, but a tad bit similar. 
Uh, Cross-appeal notices are due seven days from the date that the appeal notice is filed. Uh, uh, so far as counsel is concerned, uh, the same record and transcript preparation rules that apply to regular, merit, uh, regular merits cases apply to these agency appeals, but if a party objects to a version of the record that is filed, the objection must be set for a hearing within 14 days of the objection's filing. Here, the appellant's brief is due 28 days from the filing of the clerk's record and transcript. Uh, the appellee's brief is due 21 days after the appellant's brief is filed, and a reply, if any, is going to be filed is due 14 days after the appellee files her or his brief. Extensions for filing briefs will not be granted unless counsel can show unusual and compelling circumstances. Uh, if oral argument is requested, it will be held within 180 days of the appeal notice's filing. Uh, rehearing petitions in these cases must be accompanied by a brief supporting the petition. And where do I get that? I'll take a look at Idaho Rule of Appellate Procedure 12.4, as well as Mayor against TPC Holdings, Incorporated, a case from the Idaho Supreme Court. That citation is going to be 160 Idaho 223, a case from 2016. And that concludes this episode on uh, mandatory appealable judgments and orders in the Idaho Appellate Courts.